Savage Sam savaged the dirty savage. Savage Sam savaged the dirty savage. No, no, this is the theme song. I don't know. At first it sounded like the Flaming Lips doing the rendition of Savage Sam. <laughs> the Kingston Trio featuring Miley Cyrus. This ain't the same, uh, like, Davy Crockett sounding theme song. Where they just walk you through the plot of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like the bobcat and his rivalry are not dissimilar from like Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner yeah they had some on like screen Peter Griffin and the chicken <laughs> they had some real on screen on screen chemistry alright enough of that welcome back to Disney's Plussin' and Cussin' Special feature of Little Mouse on the Airy, the first edition of Plus and Cousin for 2023. I am your host, Timothy Q. Mouse. I am joined in the House of Mouse by the titular, Kevin Corker. <laughs> titular? Well, I guess your name is... The, we're covering the movie, Kevin Corcoran. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for having me, uh, Timothy. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to kick off 2023. Here in the House of Mouse. Well, I know you've been chomping at the bit to get back on here after listening to every episode multiple times. You are caught up on the canon. I'm on. I haven't slept in months. I've really <laughs> been just doing speed ferociously. Uh, my pupils are as big as dinner plates. Well, it sounds like you're ready to record a podcast, friend. Woo! We are doing 1963's Savage Sam, the follow-up to. Uh, 1960s Old Yeller. Pretty good movie. Solid. Yeah, you know, I think it, like, if it was... Solid a, Sam. Solid Sam. If I, if, if better than the working title, Redskin Randy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think as a standalone, I think it's cohesive. I think, like, people would have Yeah, and we do have a, a list here of some of the other working titles. Um, uh, Lil Yeller. <laughs> Scalping and shindigging. Oh, I like that. That's fun. Yeah, that's, it's like beach le- beach blanket bingo, but, you know, with more scalping. So beach blanket <laughs> bingo. It's funny you say that because we have done a lot of... We have seen a lot of the same players here. I feel like mm-hmm. we're just dealing with Tarantino movies um, over the past year. Um, uh, we didn't set out to make it this way, but this is the year... Tw- 2022's coverage... Um, in uh, in our podcast has been the year of Tommy Kirk. Tom, and finally, and, and th- finally, I think we we had one one episode that we had recorded with him, but you and I did the first kind of deep dive into Tommy Kirk. I yeah. fucking love this kid. And you know what? Can I say this with a somewhat blemished record of staunch heterosexuality? He's very handsome in this movie. He's really coming to his own. Mm-hmm. And I say this in regards to what I know he looks like. Towards the end of his life, which just, is not it's just, good. It's just funny when you when you do a uh, you just all you have to do is Google Savage Sam, and then it has the list of major people in there. Mm-hmm. And 
the main picture that comes up for Tommy Kirk is not like, you know, 21-year-old, um, like, good-looking Tommy Kirk with a good All hair. American boy. Sweaty and... Uh, no, he... It's it's the picture that, like, maybe somebody took of him at a meet-and-greet, like, a year yeah. before he died. The lighting's bad, the angle's bad. He looks bewildered. <laughs> Just old and frail... It's like a promotional video for the Hollywood carpet store he went on to open. You but know. I love reading his interviews. Like, he dishes out the dirt right before he sucks it up with his carpet cleaning Come on device. Now. Yeah. Stop on by, folks. <laughs> I love um, Brian Keith. Mm-hmm. I love. He made so, me not miss Fess Parker at all, to be honest. Okay, so you know where we have seen Brian Keith this year? No. Well, we did the parent trap. Yes, he's the dad in the parent Haley trap. Mills, and of course, and there I have a like um, an impulse. There's an impulse to call him bargain bin John Wayne. Yeah. I However, I like Brian Keith so much more than John Wayne. John Wayne is a huge piece of shit. Yeah. So I listened to this um, this podcast called Behind the Bastards, <laughs> and so uh, the first episode that I listened to uh, was just like John Wayne was a huge piece of shit. Uh-huh. It's the title of the podcast, and they do a like two, three parter yeah. on how John Wayne is a huge piece of shit, yeah. and it makes you hate John Wayne. Yeah. If you didn't already, my grand, I, you know, I had like a reverence for John Wayne because my grandfather sure. did, and I grew up watching some John Wayne movies. John Wayne was a huge fucking uh, Republican shill. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. he uh, was a, a warmonger, even though he didn't go fight in the war like Jimmy Stewart and some of these other guys did, and then. He overcompensated for the fact that he didn't go to war by being a fucking, uh, like, uh, narc on all of his other people and throwing them under the bus with the Red Scare. And it was like Hulk Hogan. You know, Hulk Hogan did that in the 80s through, like, Jesse Jesse Ventura. Anyways, we don't need to go to all that. Brian Keith, okay, guy. Brian Keith, you know how Brian Keith died? Let Let me guess. He exploded with esophageal cancer. Uh, no. He exploded uh, with a gun to his own face. Oof. Um, so, Brian Keith... Um, I based that on his voice alone, which was gravelly. That was an that was affected. Really? Yeah. Good for uh, you. Oh, watch, you watch respect. his parent trap, he's, he's, got a, he's got a smoothie voice. Oh, I respect him even more now. Yeah. Um, uh, so, on. Brian Keith um, blew his brains out. Um, at his home in Nevada or something like that. Um, shortly after, uh, Maureen O'Hara, his co-star in mm-hmm. The Parent Trap, went and visited him for the last time, and they stayed friends uh, until his death. And wow. she, a good Catholic girl that mm-hmm. she is, maybe, I don't know if she's lying to the press or lying to herself, swears that Brian Keith would never take his own life and that he was in good spirits the last time she saw him, which was like, I don't know, a short amount of time before that. And that uh, he did have a habit of pulling out his guns and cleaning them and showing them off to people. But that's Maureen O'Hara's word. I like her. I like her, too. She is gorgeous. She really is a knockout. But she was uh, very Republican, very good friends with John Wayne. Uh, diehard friends with John Wayne. Yikes. Is it true that he died with like a pound of red meat impacted in his colon? I think that might be a myth. No. Um, but he did not take care of himself. You wouldn't think. 
but he died of cancer, right? Like shortly after he gave a horrible, horrible um, interview in Playboy uh, in like 1970. Um, okay, my, my facts might not be right there, but he did give a very poor interview in Playboy um, defending literal, quotes white supremacy. That's the supremacy a, of the white race. That's not a good look. Yeah, you go back and look at it. It's like, of course John Wayne believed that. Yeah, he built his career on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lord. But we're not talking about John Wayne. We're talking about Brian Keith. Yeah. And more importantly, we're talking about a dog that doesn't look like it could come from old Yeller's balls right. um, in the wildest of scenarios. Absolutely. We saw old Yeller's son, and the fact they chose to go with a hound. Good-looking hound. Yeah. Cool dog. But it's running around in the beginning, and they're singing about him, and I'm going, "Who the fuck dog is this? Was is he is adopted? Or? Is Savage Sam gonna run it? No, this is Savage Sam the whole time, even though they showed us. I want to see Yeller get a Maury Povich esque paternity test done because yikes, something, something doesn't do the Punnett Square on that. You are not the dog father. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, two things. This dog has some pretty big booties to fill, you know, because, like, he's following an old yeller's paw steps, mm. you know, so that's a big deal. And, like, he's not as big a part of the movie. No, he's not. Like, they made the movie, he's, like, sort of ancillary. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't really have that much screen time. Like, it's not about him yeah, almost he, anyway. Yeah, he's, 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 like, he's like a Toto. Yeah. Or... No, I don't need to or. He's like a Toto. <laughs> yeah, I mean he just so happens to he's be. He's like there. he's like snot in uh Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more impactful he's than Snot in Christmas bits. Vacation. Yeah, he, he's good for a couple bits, but if he wasn't there, you wouldn't miss him. You, you know? like that movie? Christmas Vacation. I adore it. I, I do. I'm sorry. Watched it again recently and just Randy Quaid and everything that he does the entire time that he's on screen is some of the most perfect comedic acting I've I'm, ever, ever seen. I, I know it by heart. I'm <laughs> such a fan. Yeah. Um, His kids can fend for themselves. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he does get a hold of you, it's just... Let him finish. <laughs> Falls down a well. Eyes go cross. Kick by mule. Go straight again. Come on, boy. Boo, 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 boo. Come on, boy. Let's go find your sister. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting that <clears throat> I, I guess they kind of had to like stay in the same vein of, of like dog protagonists. But in by no stretch of the imagination of like Savage Sam, the protagonist of this movie. You know, I just thought it was interesting that it's like they kind of mm-hmm. like the real sh- savagery is manifest destiny. You could make a case, yeah. And I but, believe one of the guys on the trail does later on, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um, instantly, you, I talked to you earlier today. You said, um, gets off to a slow start, then you get sucked in. Right. I thought it started off with a bang because I love these fucking kids. You love the kids. I love Tommy Kirk and Kevin Corcoran. I think they have fucking phenomenal chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've established a precedent as these two characters, not just the two kids that work together on every fucking movie. We know these characters. We know Travis. We know Arliss. Travis, grown up now. 
mom and dad gone to San Antonio, believe it or not. I missed that part. You missed that part. They are um, take, little, taking little care of Graham. They they, right. they speak lovingly of Graham. Sure, uh, sure. She's, a, she's a feisty old cunt. <laughs> well, she's, she's got a little bungalow off of Vance Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, at that time it was probably like right off of like Soledad or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, Flores or like San, a, San Saba. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but she's sick and, yeah. um, well, I now's as good a time as any. Pull out the old notes. Oh, those are mine. Those are yours. Okay. Unhand those. Might need to take a little break. <laughs> I just saw yours. Well, I have like a loose page. Here we go. Here we go. Grandma, right cunt. There we are. San Saba. Okay, Tommy Kirk's looking pretty good, actually. There we go. Yeah, so I guess before that, like right off the... I love Easter eggs. and um, Or nods or homages or whatever you want to call them. Um, right off the bat, right after the song finishes, it's like, it's like Birdman. But in 1963, it's not a continuous cut, but we seeg seamlessly into Old Yeller walking up. Not Old Yeller, Savage Sam. You're That's going to be a hard one. You're going to do that again. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it again within the next five minutes. You just want him so badly to be Old Yeller, but he never will be. No, Old Yeller's gone. Old Yeller was gone before he got the phydrophobia. Right. Which is never alluded to that I know of. I guess that was just a pandemic or something. They do mention they mention Old Yeller um, a couple times, right. and, and it's like ah, I was there. But <laughs> um, he is a bloodthirsty beast with a nose for fox. Yeah, um, he gets right after it right away. But right after that song's over, we got the hanging meat. Mm-hmm. We got the nod to the old man. Mm-hmm. He's got a he's got a bit of a wild hair out of his dick. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking rascal. As the old frontier saying goes, yeah. Pulls down the meat. <clears throat> um and first one we see is Arliss. Who's who's looking a bit uh a bit bigger, a bit more strapping. And he just sounds like a fucking broken accordion uh, because of the <laughs> like violent puberty that he's going through. They easily could have delayed shooting like two weeks, and it would have been much better. So, but he would have talked like me, you know. <laughs> I, now's as good a time as any to talk about it. Kevin Corcoran definitely going through puberty in this movie, and I feel like there are moments when they just like dub his like. There's child voice, and there's, uh, which is, you know, I'd say one quarter, Mm -hmm. and there's, like, woman voice, (laughs) you know, (laughs) which is, like, 14-year-old sounding boy, and then, that's, like, one quarter, too, and and then there's, like, 50% of it, which is just creaking, broken, and he doesn't seem to have any shame about it, but, like, it, there's no, it's not like a, it's not like chronological. Right. Like, you've got child voice, and then he'll answer in, you know, 14-year-old That's basically, boy slash woman voice slash... Right. Yeah, I, I guess, is that how it works? That's I don't remember. That's sort of what I remember, but I also remember sort of like, I woke up one day when I was 14 and talked like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> that I know. But, I, I agree with what you're saying. And like, um, it, you know what, I think it's sort of beautiful that this time in this young man's life is captured... Uh, on the silver screen, you know what I mean? Like, 
it's it's kind of cool. Like we get to watch him develop as a human being in front of our very eyes. You know, from from the completely hairless <laughs> twerp in Swiss Family Robinson yeah. to uh, to the budding nascent young adult. Uh, before I, us. I just thought you were going to say supple at some point, and I'm glad you didn't. That was, um, I really should have planned out what I was saying before I started talking, because that could have been, that could have gotten bad. Arliss catches him pulling down this meat. He says, yeah. you know, Travis is going to, just, he's just going to gut you with a bone. And it's like, <laughs> they are already, first lines of the movie already, and this is a callback to the old one, they're already peppering their language with violence. This is uh, a very violent movie. It's over, a violent from, time. Almost start to finish. Yeah. If if the violence isn't actually happening, there's threats of violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like there was a college course that my buddy took, and I was kind of adjacent to, and um, they it was like drug literature of the '60s, and I got to go cool. sit in on a, a fear and loathing lecture, oh and they talked about how. Um, how much of a contrast fear and loathing had to um, to other uh, kind of more kumbaya um, feeling um, works and movements of the '60s because there's just it's 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 gritty and it's grim and there's always even with the humor there's just always threats of violence yeah. and castration and I'm gonna stab you <clears throat> oh, like yeah. everybody's on edge and ready to <laughs> stab you know and uh, and that just makes Hunter Thompson more endearing to me. Um, but Kevin Corcoran really coming into his own, um, looking like a young W.C. Fields or something. That's know? a good point. I never thought about that, but you're exactly right. Yeah, he's starting to fill out, mm-hmm. for sure. Getting a little apple-cheeked. <clears throat> and I would like to make a point that uh, I thought it was odd that Savage Sam jumps up and grabs this ham hock, which is beautiful and probably that, expensive. And that's, like, that's like but, rent, bro. Like, that's like... <laughs> you could eat that for literally months. It's salt-cured. It doesn't go bad. Like, oh, yeah. That could keep you alive for an entire winter. That's not... that. That's not... That's not like him... Uh, knocking over the groceries and getting one bag, like, which I would Savage be furious Sam. at my yeah. dog. If he did Savage that. Sam. It's like, no, you've killed us, you yeah. mongrel. <laughs> I've raised that pig We will starve eat. in yeah. December, you mongrel. Uh, yeah, knew <laughs> that big from birth. Um, no, but the point I was trying to make is far less um, highbrow than that, which is, you think Tommy Kirk would have just given up that meat that easily? I don't think so, because he's gay. <laughs> I didn't know if you were saying that he's he's going to fuck the ham hock. I, you know, oh. basically in my notes I just said, <coughs> Tommy Kirk would Here, Kevin, uh, here's a little bit of a... Little bit of um, plussin' and cussin' canon from the Thanksgiving episode, okay. right? Um, Just as a quick callback to finish this note, my only note about that uh, scene says Tommy Kirk would have gotten that meat, and I stand by that. I'll die on that hill. So, speaking of getting that meat, um, go on. If you haven't listened to the uh, the Thanksgiving episode, which just dropped a couple of days ago, um, here's somebody that's really in the Thanksgiving ah! Thanksgiving spirit. That seems to be somebody having sexual intercourse with a raw turkey. Mm-hmm. Am I close? I think you. I think you're almost as close as he is, <laughs> which is inside. I think the opening, either opening of a turkey would be 
too large. The circumference would be too large for that to have done any good. Unless I mean, that f- guy's rocking more dick than I am, and That's true, uh, it's still but there could be a flashlight in there mm-hmm. that could work, and it's actually probably much more hygienic. You ever had a flashlight? No. Wait. No. It. it I had one that was relatively expensive, and I ended up discarding it in a moment of shame and laziness in the knowing the amount of steps it would take to clean it. It's not dishwasher safe. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing with uh, here's the thing with fleshlights. Yeah, it's dishwasher safe, but it's a cavity. Yeah. You know what are you what are you gonna do? Like put it around the the spinny nozzle, like. Girls have dildos now, whether whether they're tiny little vibrators or you know manhammers, big old monsters. Like it's a cute little thing that you put inside you, and then you can wipe off, and you put it in your drawer, and you pull it out, and it's your little secret. Now, <laughs> um, the the flashlight's like the the narc, you know. <laughs> it keeps all of your dirty secrets, and it festers them <laughs> in a it's warm. Like the, yeah, it's like the Church of Scientology. Yeah, it it, it is a. It is a warm pocket of shame. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I it's bet, not cute when you're done with it. It's fucking disgusting. I bet what you just said about the end of your relationship with your fleshlight is like 80% of fleshlight owners have that in common with you. I uh, probably I can't. I just can't. If I, if I was the kind of person that like just <laughs> couldn't get laid mm-hmm. as opposed to like swinging and missing most times, but I can get laid if I try. Go on. I'd probably have more reverence for that fleshlight. (laughs) Reverence. There's got to be something in between complete abstinence and reverence, right? (laughs) That's how I'm living my life. (laughs) Anyway, all of this... Savage. All of this started... All of this is to say... Tommy Tommy Kirk... Would have gotten that meat. Would have gotten that meat. Would have secured that bag, as the kids say. I don't really know what that means. Uh, securing that bag is like getting the thing, getting that money, landing that cherished uh, high paying corporate ad, ad, job. Sure, or uh, or uh, slaying that dragon of the person that you want. She's just the girl, She's just the girl, the girl you want. Booty, booty, Devo. Yeah, yeah. Did I tell you when I went to see Weird Al? I'll show you the video of it. He covered that. I'm very excited to to listen to Devo as soon as I can. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, getting that bag. Why are we talking about getting that bag? Tommy Kirk going to get that bag. Tommy Kirk going to secure the bag. Yeah. He's going to secure the bag. But Tommy Kirk's not doing anything like that. Tommy Kirk's trying to secure that bacon. <laughs> right. Um, bacon and mush. <laughs> and mush. The it, mush it, plays a very prevalent role in the first act of this movie. Uh, bacon and mush, if he is to be believed, and I can't think of any reason why he'd be lying about it. Right. Um, Mama and Papa in San Antonio, Grandma dying. Arliss now has an existential crisis regarding the topic of death. Right. Frontier mortality plays a big part in the first act of this movie, too. And I remember that being kind of a component of the first act of, the, of Old Yeller. We're right. like, we, oh, we, with angels, and you're up in heaven now playing that guitar. Playing the guitar now, and playing now, the harp. How the fuck are you going to play the harp? Yeah. You goddamn idiot. It's a harp, not a guitar. Yeah. But, yeah, they don't really shy away from um, hypothetically talking about the afterlife, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting, considering the death 
dozens of deaths that's going to follow. Uh, so it's interesting, I guess, that they let off with this. Uh, they also talk about how um, how Fess Parker is looking for a um, for his wife in San Antonio, looking for a good dentist. <laughs> Same, brother. Preach. Um, Same. So, uh, I think that's a euphemism for he's fulfilled his three-movie contract with Disney. Right. Uh, God damn, yeah. Um, there are going to be a couple of callbacks to 1955's Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to those, but uh, this movie sure could have benefited from a little Fest Parker cameo like that last one. That one, it's like the end of Thin Red Line. I don't know what I'm talking about there. I think there's like George Clooney or something, but just like a little. It's like the Alec Baldwin scene in uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Right. Well, you need a good monologue. You need a good injection title. of a of a strong character that can't necessarily carry a movie, but God damn it, tell me how to feel. Yeah. <laughs> tell me how to feel. Yeah. Um. Hey, if you finish your chores, Arliss, it's like fucking one p.m. or something. Okay, it's not. <laughs> It's obviously not 1 p.m. because at 1 p.m. everybody's like asleep for the night on a farm. But it is way too late to be milking cows. That's milking a- cows? Like the first thing you do, right? I, I don't know shit about milking cows. I know you milk cows first thing in the morning. Unless you're fucking layabout Arliss. Oh, that rat bastard. But I think that a good, a, good, a good chunk of the first part of this movie... And, and I feel like... the. They come in strong, and, and, and even though all the action is at the end, I feel like they finish a little weaker because, like, we've got a really good relationship dynamic going between these two kids. That's true. You've got Tommy Kirk trying to figure out how to manage the crazy screwball antics of his wild card brother, and you get the uncle coming in, and then he's got, like, some some uh, different, like, reverse psychology techniques and stuff, and all of this is a little bit more multidimensional than... Yeah. Fuck the engines, let's go get the broad, yeah. you know? No, there's um, definitely like a long day's journey into night mm-hmm. sort of pastiche happening here. That's by far the most pretentious thing I've ever said. But I do think you're right about the cows. I think that's possibly <laughs> the most glaring plot hole yeah, in this yeah. entire film. Well, but Tommy Kirk Travis is already aware of the fact that he has to um, entice his brother got to hang that carrot got to manipulate Arliss mm-hmm. into doing the things that you need him to do cuz you're a you're a fucking unit and right. this kid is just going to go try and catch frogs and shove them up something else's ass Wait, when, when did that happen uh, maybe in another movie i think it was in pollyanna <laughs> <laughs> uh, while not getting yo a- you milk the cows maybe 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 we'll go hunting right and as a father, I know this, that like you need the kid to do something so bad, they end up promising something that you know you're going to have to fulfill at the end. We'll cross that bridge when we come to mm-hmm. it as far as fulfillment of that promise because I need this fucking thing to get done right fucking now. And <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you go milk the cows, you get the chores done in time, maybe we'll go fucking hunting later. Mm-hmm. And it's like... His face lights up. Lights up! And I was <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with that. This is frontier living. Mm-hmm. You want to go... It's not about the thrill or the kill, although I'll, I take that back because Arliss loves to kill. It's literally about that. Yeah, But it's that would be 
even even if you don't have like bloodlust, um, <laughs> that's got to be a fun ass thing to do. Yeah. In boring ass, you don't live anywhere but like fucking ten, twelve miles from right. the, the closest person to you. That's got to be a fun fucking thing to do. I don't hey, know. Let's if go on a fucking it. adventure. Yeah. Go out, seek out your quarry, Pretend take it the down, army. and that's gonna be the fucking. Everybody's gonna celebrate you bringing that shit back. Yeah, dude. I don't know if you knew this, but they didn't have the internet back then. Yeah. I, I yeah. just learned that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. To Why ask. doesn't he just get Drizzly to deliver the deer? <laughs> uh, another plot hole. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, and considering the fact that he spends like a third of this movie trying to commit fratricide <laughs> with the rocks... Yeah, it's no wonder that his face lit it's up. Great. It's great. It's great. It's great. Yeah. I'll have that old cow dry as a sunflower pot for the... What's it say? Bacon. <laughs> I'll have that old cow dry as a sunflower pot for the bacon's half dry. Oh my He's God. very excited. It's very Old Testament in a way, isn't it? Like, there's a certain, like, Genesis, like, Cain and Abel dynamic at play. Um, I, I, I'm glad that doesn't reach its, its logical conclusion, or its <laughs> biblical conclusion, anyways. You didn't watch the cutscenes, did you? You didn't see the Criterion? <laughs> the, the Criterion collection, <laughs> the yeah, I'll take you. Uh, I'm just going to show you this again real quick. I didn't need yeah. to see that. I'm good. Um, Salmonella alone. So... I'm going to play a clip of Arliss singing the song that he sings when um, when he's milking the cow. And you're going to have to just bear with me while I find it. Okay. And then I'm going to play something else because this was something that has haunted me for years. Oh my god. I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if... Considering you I don't just, know if the internet is ready for my certain... Considering you just showed me a picture of a guy fucking a turkey... Something that's haunted you for years, I don't know if I can handle. Oh no, that's just pure comedy. (laughs) Oh. A jumper not allowed to be in the corn. Yeah. He sounds like the kid from Terminator 2. What's that actor's name? Edward Norton? No. Oh. Eddie Furlong. Yes. His voice is changing through that whole movie too, and it's very distracting. Here we go. This is a song by the name of Old Dan Tucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Washed his face in a frying pan. Combed his hair with a wagon wheel. And he died of a toothache on his heel. So get out the way for Old Dan Tucker. Get out the way for Old Dan Tucker. Get out the way for Old Dan Tucker. He's too late to come to supper. Oh, just you, you're familiar with this? Mm-hmm. It's an old and, folk tune. Okay, all right. My mammy used to sing it to me, which no. All right, so there's that, and I remember this. Okay, when I was a kid, when you were a kid, and you stayed home from school. When I stays home from school, she fucks around on her iPad and bothers us and plays video games and shit. It's the worst. When I stayed home from school, I watched things like Good Times, The Price Is Right. The Price is Right? Mm-hmm. Matlock? Yeah. I got into Picket Fences for a while. Oh, <laughs> that guy. We could do a whole Picket Fences podcast, by the way. <laughs> that would be so fucked up. Five-ish Finkel. Five-ish Finkel. Uh, I used to also watch the Andy Griffith show, speaking mm-hmm. of Matlock. For sure. 
There's one thing that's always bothered me, and it's the fact that I've never been able to get this song out of my head for like 30 years. Um, this is what's haunted you for 30 years? Right? Yeah. What you're about to... Do you want me to leave the room? I mean, uh, should I be here for this? I think I'm going to need some support. Okay. Here we go. Gee, that was swell, Paul. How about playing another? Gee, that was swell, Paul. How about playing another? That's what I said. That's what you always say. How about you doing something for a change? Me? Yeah, get up on this footstool here. Oh, gee, Come Paul. on now, I'll do it with you. Do Dan Tucker. You do that real well. Old Dan Tucker's come to town. Hey, get out the way for Old Dan Tucker. He's too late to get his supper. Supper's over and dinner's cooking. Old Dan Tucker just stand there looking. Old Dan Tucker come to town, riding a billy goat, leading a hound. Hound dog barks, billy goat jump. Throw Dan Tucker right straddle of stump. Hey, get out the way for Old Dan Tucker. He's too late to get his supper. Supper's over and dinner's cooking. Old Dan Tucker just stand there looking. Get out the way for Old Dan. That that's haunted you for thirty years. Was there a fourth meal in the day? <laughs> Supper and dinner. That's a fair point. Did they eat four meals back on the fucking? I guess Andy Griffith, not quite the frontier. If you were lucky, you know. Um, what are they hobbits? Do you think it's synonyms? Do you think they use them synonymously, like interchangeably? It would defeat the entire narrative of that <laughs> story. Also, why is everybody fucking making a big deal out of the fact that Opie's standing there singing in unison with fucking Andy Griffith? Like, I, I get it, they don't have TVs. Yeah. That's not a good performance. Ob- objectively, no. But, I think... We should consider the fact that the writers just couldn't keep up. <laughs> There's like a conceit that Opie is cute. Yeah. You think yeah. Ron Howard like watches that from time to time? He's no Tom like Kirk, like really. like Chevy Chase sitting in the attic. Oh, and uh, Christmas, Christmas vacation. vacation. Yeah. What a wonderful feeling. Oh, there's some music in that movie yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he. Yeah, like he's no Tommy Kirk, but you don't need to dissect Kirk. old Dan Tucker. Okay, but all right, you mean he's no Kevin Corcoran? Nobody is. Look, that I'm just saying that would have been way more entertaining if um, Ron Howard was squirting milk from udders directly from the udder of a cow into kittens' mouths. That if honestly, if that was ninety minutes long, I would have loved this movie. Yes, <laughs> yes, that was great. That I was great. It's like that. half what I watch on on like an infinite loop on the internet uh, while I'm waking up or going back to sleep. That's or what I want. That's what I want. So cute. And then the kitten ends up in the milk, and oh. you know, of course, it's it's so much worse than eating butter after Morty um, <laughs> just goes to town on the butter. How often does that happen? Um, often enough to where you can't trust the butter around here. You need a better system, my friend. <laughs> of 
We've got, sh- we've got a shield for I don't use that much butter myself. Are you not a butter-in-the-fridge person? I'm a butter-mostly-in-the-fridge person, and then we've got a butter dish. And the butter dish is mainly for the uh, the butter spreaders on the bread. I'm not a big bread guy. If I'm if I'm eating uh, bread, I'm using uh, like a bagel. I'm using some cream cheese. Sure. Even actually, here's a little life hack for you, my friend. Okay. Lebni. You ever heard of Lebni? Fuck yeah. Lebni instead of cream cheese, way less goopy and filling. Also, throw a little bit of little bit of a smoked salmon on there. Uh, maybe yeah. some capers. Maybe a little bit oh, of dill. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I love cream cheese, and you're not going to be able to talk me out of it. Okay, well, let's stick with the cream <clears throat> cheese. I like cream cheese, too. I'm just saying the lebanese is a little bit less okay. heavy. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. I, I do a lot love of cat butter. Lo- but uh, Morty does not jump into a vat of the butter that I'm going to be yeah. ingesting. Right. Uh, I do love that scene. I think it's great. Um, it's really just kind of setting the scene, establishing... The chore, even if they're happening at midday for no explicable reason. Uh, I do like that. There's a really great scene, a great moment where uh, Tommy Kirk gets frustrated with Kevin Corcoran for like riding off an old jumper or something and gets frustrated and throws his hat on the ground and puts his hands on his hips akimbo and just like throws his hat in the dust. He's like, ah, gall darn it. I attain your hide. Yeah, man. I mean, I love that. You know what's funny is that, like... I want to start wearing a hat just so I can do that. Yeah, like a floppy, uh, dur- oh, durable hat. Con sarn it! Yeah. It's like like the hat you wore to L.A. as you hopped off the bus from Kentucky. Wow-wee! <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz! Somebody take me to the Laugh House! <laughs> Hollywood, baby! Yeah. <laughs> um, also... I listened to a podcast about Billy the Kid. It was like a four-parter. And um, it's not as if anybody wasn't irreverent enough to cuss. It's just that cussing was different back then. They didn't say a whole lot of fucking. It was more like... It just hadn't been invented yet. It was like... Like... uh, Maybe goddamn. But like... Dagnabbit. I bet World War I changed that a lot. Yeah, maybe maybe the the, uh, the interchanging of uh, the mingling of the they, probably that time that they all um, they went out to the the trench and and played their their horns together on Christmas oh. Eve. That's when we figured out the real cuss words. Yeah. <laughs> I remember reading once that during World War One, if your commanding officer told you to grab your gun, you knew it was real. It was like a real emergency because otherwise he would have told you to grab your fucking gun. You know. <laughs> Uh, but he's like, grab your... If, when he didn't swear, you know, it's like something's wrong. Yeah, you know? yeah. Do you want to hear a, a real story? Okay. My grandmother um, and grandfather, they did a little bit of hobnobbing with some high society. They were like in um, electric company shit. Anyway, they had like dinner with the Bushes at one point. Mm-hmm. But they... Knew or were at least familiar enough with Walter Cronkite to where he wrote them a um, a dedication in the front of like hand wrote dedication to them in the front of a book that he wrote, which was the uh, not so silent night or whatever the the night when the the troops got together and, and the Christmas Eve or they the Christmas Eve yeah. yeah, which is just amazing. My grandma. Gave that book to me a few years before she died. 
Walter Cronkite signed it to Bob and Dottie. I have no idea where the fuck it is. Oh, was it like my orgasm left me a cripple kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, much, please, please have me up to the cabin. Much again. more generic. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they waited in line for it or anything, but um, I don't know that he uh, that he did. You know, he certainly wouldn't have typed it. Yeah, yeah. It I like Walter Cronkite. It wasn't like, girl, you freaky deaky. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so about this point in the movie, uh, Lizbeth shows up. And it's not Elizabeth. Yeah, it's Haley just... Mills. Is that Haley Mills? No. Oh, jeez, I thought it was dumb. Because I thought she looked like Roger the Alien from fucking American Dad. Actually. Really? You don't find this girl attractive? She got more attracted towards the end of the movie. When she first comes down off the horse, the first time we see her on screen, she looks like a bottlenose dolphin. Like, she's got this massive forehead. Her hair's pulled back real tight. And I was like, oh my god, like... What are you, I, buddy, I wrote, at 10? Listen, I've written my notes. She looks like one of the aliens from Mars Attacks. Mm, harsh. Harsh. Oh, scathing. She's a lovely young woman. Listen, that's not... First of all, that's Out to get her a mile! <laughs> that's not disqualifying in my book, but that is what I wrote in my notes. Um, also, right after that note, I wrote... Uh, pretending to be into her is the best acting I've seen from Tommy Kirk. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's good. I I do, um, I hate to back it up, but some of the best content of this movie happens before she shows up. Yeah. Which is that there's pandemonium in the corral. Because he's pissing. The bacon's burning, right? Which, this is uh, 150 years, 200 years, shit hasn't changed. When I cook bacon, I fuck up the first batch and I have to make whole new bacon. <laughs> but the bacon burns because of the pandemonium that happens in the corral. Right. Um, Tommy Kirk comes out. I ought to cover you in... Spr- I wrote S-P-R-O-U-N-T, which is definitely not a word. Sprouts. And thrash your britches. I kind of wish you'd do that to me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm here for it. I don't know. Um, Arliss starts hurling stones at his brother. Uh, we have the first recorded instance of a rolled up newspaper being used to swat a dog. Probably. Oh yeah, um, she's locked in the outhouse. And for it occurred quite a to while. me. It occurred to me that that I guess that's an outhouse, not the corn shack. No, he's in an outhouse where he killed Old Yeller. Why would there be a rolled up a magazine in the you know the corn silo or whatever? Maybe that's her little bait cave. Maybe that's a little masturbatory. <laughs> baiting. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think it's the outhouse. But he's in there for quite some time. Well, um, Brian Keith is doing that reverse psychology thing with a six-shooter with Arliss. Being like, oh, you want to hurt your brother so yeah, bad? Let's, let's smoke him out. Let's smoke him out. He comes in and he's like, my brother used to do this shit to me. I wanted to kill him a thousand times. Yeah. It's all violence. I... Fucking love it. It's is, like is you like cigarettes so bad. Smoke this whole pack. Oh, you hate I your brother so much. Now. Yeah, yeah. You fucking hate your brother kill so much. Him. Let's skull fuck your brother. <laughs> <laughs> Literally kill him. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I like this whole part though. It's like okay, yeah. yeah let's here. Here's a gun. Here's a fucking loaded gun. Go kill your brother. And it's another. It's good like, I don't want to fucking kill him. It's like, well, you're throwing stones well, at it, like you do to all those other things that you want to kill. You've spent, like you want to kill all the time. All you always obsessed with killing. You killed all those things earlier this morning. You're throwing stones at them. You love killing. Kill your brother. I saw the twinkle in your eye when someone mentioned hunting. 
Go shoot your brother and smoke a whole pack of cigarettes. Yeah, that's what I read. That's down. funny. Um, yeah, once that's he a- decides, hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kill my brother. Okay, gives him the gun. He points it right at his fucking face with his hand on oh, the yeah. trigger. No trigger discipline yeah. of any kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's a good scene that like establishes uh, the hierarchy. Uh, Brian Keith's frontier Little rascal trying to kill his brother. Uh, It's like growth. It's character development right off the bat. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. It's a really good scene. And it is... It's it's a lesson for Arliss, and it's a lesson for Travis, who can hear the whole thing, and he kind of smiles knowingly while this man is telling his younger brother to kill him. He's like, oh, he's got, he knows yeah. how, he knows how to talk to this fucker. This is an interesting counterpoint to the story from Newport News, Virginia, this week, where a six-year-old shot their teacher in the classroom. The counterpoint being, if you give a kid a loaded gun and tell him to shoot, they're gonna somebody, ask for a glass of milk. <laughs> give a mouse a cookie. Give a toddler a sick a Glock. You know, <laughs> uh, you shouldn't laugh. <laughs> but but we are. What can you do but laugh? What do you got to do? But, uh, yeah, here's... I could have sworn, and this might be just me being buzzed a little bit last night when I watched the movie. There's a part where Elizabeth and Travis are talking. And they're talking about, like, a mutual friend of theirs or a mutual acquaintance who had gotten married recently. And I could have sworn that they said George Floyd. George Floyd. Yeah, they did say George Floyd. Okay. The original George Floyd... Had to marry the old... <laughs> Pick your poison, you know? I'm just saying. But yeah, I did like a triple take when I heard them say that. Um, I thought that was funny. Okay, so next I have um, a clip I guess I'm going to play. I don't know exactly what I'm getting. Oh, this is just um, an example of uh, uh, Arliss's egregious puberty. <laughs> <laughs> Jumper sure made a mess out of that. What do you mean? He plowed the brush right where you wanted it. Well, man. No, he sounds like much better. I wrote that down when I was watching this part of the movie. It's continuous throughout the whole thing. He sounds like opera superstar Kathleen Battle, like the whole time. I don't know what that means. Just trust me. Um, This is kind of a non sequitur, but this note just says Godless woman slapping horse shooting savages. Well, yeah, you're that they're scooting way ahead because that happens. That could have been uh, the tagline for the movie. <laughs> this episode brought to you, brought to you. This episode brought to you by Devil's River Bourbon. <laughs> sounded like a sounded like a godless Apache just then, because they make that war whoop like. I'd estimate 45 times throughout the movie. When they get shot, when they get on a horse, when they kill Just a white person. gibberish, yeah. Okay. So, at this point we get uh, re- the return of, um, I don't know, probably the most hated character from at least both of us in, in the last film, Bud Cersei. Bud Cersei. Guy fucking sucked. He's terrible. And he had a 
I'd say relatively homely daughter in the last movie. You seem to think this daughter remains homely. I'm saying she's hot. <laughs> Check back in with me by the end of the movie. Because they kind of warmed up. You like it when they rip those sleeves. I'm into the ripped sleeves. I don't know. I I like distress. I don't know. I like broken women. I've got got a type. (laughs) And broken she is by the end. Indeed. Um, Bud Cersei immediately finds an excuse to sneak into the house and eat a bunch of hot beans. Right after he um, throws out what I like to call this movie's Red Scare. I see what you did. Engines. Dragging women off to a fate worse than death. Right. Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think he means Oklahoma. Where the wind pines down the main <laughs> Oklahoma, where the waving wheat can show sure smell sweet. When the wind comes right down the vein, and when we say, yeah. a a they're only saying, you're doing fine, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, O-K-N-A-H-O-M-A, Oklahoma. Anyway, being raped by Indians is probably worse than that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, you ever been to Norman? Awful. <laughs> A fate worse than death. Uh, but I don't think that's what they're alluding to. I think they're dancing around in a very 1963 Disney way. Being passed around a, a, a tribe of Apache warriors like a pack of prison cigarettes. Yeah, yeah it's like the Dothraki, buddy. <laughs> being used as a human cum sock for like a tribe of mighty Apache uh, it, warriors. It's Kevin's, it's, it's Kevin's catchphrase, <laughs> oh, yeah. using somebody as a human cum sock. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that one back. We're going we're gonna to have to add in some sound bites after that one. <laughs> Uh, um, fuckers after the bacon. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. So burnt beans made me think of um a little anecdote, a little side story. Um. So I worked at um Tito's, um, in Southtown. Okay. You ever been there? Uh, no, but I've been past it. A it's good. Times. Really good. Tex-Mex. Um, anyways, this, uh, this, this, um, very, uh, masculine, um, cook, uh, I'm saying masculine because she was a woman. I assumed. And she had bleached hair and she had a face like a bulldog and she was the most abusive cook <laughs> I've ever worked for. The, the day that I quit, she pressed her forehead up against mine and she said, if you ever want to come work for me, you come work for me. Jesus. She was leaving too, or whatever. Um, Where is she now? I uh, somebody told me I have no I have no interest in ever going there ever. Stay but uh, there was this one time though that she was cooking beans, and uh, the beans tipped, <laughs> and they went down the front of her uh, of her chef smock, uh-huh. like into her body. Oh no. Um. And she had to rip off her clothes. Oh, no. And, uh, and uh, it was fucked up, man. It was real <laughs> fucked up. Can you um, make a sound that you heard her make then? It was like, if, if I'm doing like a one second impression, it's like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, no. 
That's a day. <laughs> it might have been more than a day. <laughs> so she she made a Bud Cersei esque. But yeah, she is. She was doing much worse at that moment than Bud Cersei was burning his tongue on those yeah. beans. Take, literally taking the food out of two young boys' mouths. You know, not mm-hmm. cool. Not like he was before when he was. Uh, I think there we had this like undercurrent understanding that he was like trying to fuck the mom too. We hindsight's twenty twenty. He wasn't trying to fuck her. He just he's just a fucking pig. He's just a fucking moochy <laughs> he's little just pig. Gross. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, yeah, now we can talk about your Mars attacks, quote-unquote. Um, <laughs> this is her This is her film debut. I don't remember her name. I think she's great, though. I think yeah. it's good that they changed out. Um, and I kind of wanted to talk about this. Kevin, what do you think about, like, if you were a frontier lad? Okay. Let's just say a heterosexual frontier lad, because there's no possibility within this narrative that anybody's gay. Not a lot of bisexuals back then, probably. Pretty girl. She's the daughter of the fucking town idiot, mm-hmm. and she's into you. Is there any option in your mind other than, I'm going to marry this fucking I'm chick. I'm going to marry her. I, I'm going to marry the fucking shit out of her. Immediately. She's 14. Great. Yeah. Couldn't care less. They're talking about, oh, well, uh, uh, George Floyd married, uh, what's her name? And they're only eight months younger than, eight months right. older than us, and she's only eight months older than me. No, and... they're all 14, you know. Yeah. You get married. You get married. Like hey, what, what does the mom old? say? The mom, Her mom told her, I think her mom's probably dead, no better way to get to know somebody than by marrying them. Yes. Which is tragic. Yeah, because you find out all kinds of shit when you marry somebody. It's a weird thing to fucking say, isn't it? Kevin, you think that if we lived in uh, in these times, like, can you imagine, like, what was your first girlfriend? How old were you? Uh, like 16, 17. 16. I was like 16. Yeah. Um, I dated this chick for like fucking two weeks or something, or maybe a month. Uh, I really... I can't fathom still being married to her. No. Our no. braces would have just got caught up in each other. <laughs> he would have died, yeah. No, like, first of all, okay, first of all, if I were alive in frontier times, I would have died when I was, like, 12. I couldn't have handled it. That's just not how I'm wired. Okay, okay. so, like, wait, speak to me on this. Speak to me on this, because, like, what did what would have killed you? My mis- uh, my initial thought was, like, horse stampede. No, 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 no. Okay, but you don't have... What I mean by this is, like, you don't have a thing that, like, just wasn't preventable. Syphilis? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, what I mean by that is, like, um, let's say... Diabetes. Oh. Or, or, or nut allergy. Right, some kind of hereditary thing that would have like something something out. that people no. that, 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 that that like <clears throat> people deal with on the day to day now. No, I can, like I kind of think that I'm just like a creature of comfort and uh, I think I could I could have held on for a while but I would have done something dumb like walked behind a Clydesdale and slapped it on the ass and got kicked <laughs> in the head and died. How do you not slap that ass? You got to look at that. I've dog. always thought of myself as like <laughs> as the uh, the the goofball that uh, in 
Vietnam's the one thing that I don't think I would have survived at all. Like that's the one thing. Well, not the one thing, but Vietnam's the the one thing that I always think of when I'm like, I'm the guy that's like, oh, I'm being a goofball, and right. then I step on the mine, and that's when everybody knows but that the, the whole smoking hash out of the uh, shotgun barrels. I could have done that. I could have done that. Yeah, oh, I would have probably become like, a fucking heroin for, addict. For in Vietnam. almost immediately. Yeah. yeah How do you not? Yeah, yeah. Well, you but, don't have the. Did they have the internet then? They had helicopters. When no. Rob, Robin Williams was delivering the internet to them. I think I think that's how that went. Uh, no, I think you're right. I, I wouldn't have done very well. I don't like humidity. So I don't think I would have fared very well in Vietnam either. But What are now, you doing in San Antonio? This isn't humid. This is It's not really that humid here, to be honest. I guess it's not jungle humid, but it's pretty fucking humid. I, I mean, it's not Houston humid. Go to Kentucky and like... Really? Yeah. Kentucky, more humid than here? It's like being waterboarded. You can't walk out of the door. I remember used to like I used to walk out of my house with a lit cigarette and it would just go like... No <laughs> way. Like, no like, way. It's like breathing through a wet towel sometimes. Sounds it's, terrible. Eh, it's fine. You get used to it. Regardless, I don't know how I would have done with Frontier Times. I would have dealt with it with a sense of humor and probably um, probably some whiskey. Mm-hmm. Been a grim fucker like Beck Coates. Yeah. Love that guy. Beck Coates. <laughs> yeah, he's a good dude. I like him. Hey, Kevin. What? Care for a Mida company? What, what are you asking me? Can I maybe straddle you and ride... On your horse, <laughs> you grab with my body pressed up against you. You're not my uncle, are you? Because <laughs> no, there's a part in this movie where I'm he your, gets I'm your, the... I'm your neighbor. I live 12 miles from you. <laughs> there's a part where, where Travis gets on a horse behind his uncle, right? Jack. And I was like, "Is Tommy Kirk going? Don't get hard. Don't get hard. Don't <laughs> <Yeah>. get hard. <laughs> All right, we need to cut here. Can I talk to my agent about this? We can write around this, can't we? Because I can't. You know, I was just like my only. Can I get was, that stunt double in here? Is he on the <laughs> set today? I was just thinking about like, thank God I never had to ride a live horse behind one of my uncles. That would be <laughs> terrible. Yeah, you're gonna get a boner just because you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking um, about it. <laughs> um, what's that? Uh, that Arrested Development when uh, when they're all riding in the car and um, and they have maybe sit in George Michael's lap. He's like, hold on, it's going to get bumpy here. Yeah, we are asses to elbows back here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to get bumpy. Oh, God. Okay, so at one point, right around here, I think, is when the first interaction with the... Bobcat? I was going to say American Indians, but sure. There's a Bobcat before the American Indians. I didn't make a note about that. Um... I also wrote down a quote from Futurama, which is, You ever feel like you only go with girls because you're supposed to? (laughs) (laughs) Which Tommy Kirk. When he's trying to make his grandfather impregnate his grandmother, and then he ends up having to do it himself. (laughs) Um, Bobcat. Arliss. Obsessed with the Bobcat. Right. Leave the fucking Bobcat alone, you fucking bitch. Right. Um, they chase the bobcat, Savage Sam. Oh, Remember Savage seems... Sam? He's the dog that's in this movie oh, that the movie's yeah. named after. There's a fucking dog in this movie. Right. All of that seemed very ham-fisted to me. 
Honestly, he's like, oh yeah, let's throw the dog back in there for a second. It's like, hey, go chase down your brother. Get him to leave the fucking bobcat alone, bro. You can't eat that thing. What do you want it for? Can you not? I think the rule generally is you don't eat animals that eat meat. You don't eat bears? Uh, No. There's so much meat. Do I? No. I don't think it's done, typically. I think the general rule is you don't eat other animals that eat meat. Then they shouldn't be fucking killing them. Granted. Hmm. (laughs) Food for thought. I'm I'm trying to think of any... You know that... uh, um, I'm sure you do because you've listened to every episode of this podcast. I had uh, on the uh, the Incredible Journey episode, I had a, uh, a question that I had to pose, which is, uh, are there any animals that cook besides humans? And the answer was, um, was uh, chimps. empirically no. Empirically. No, ch- chimps don't cook. No. Not that I can imagine. No. I don't think we can even teach chimps to cook. Oh, I think we could. We could probably teach chimps to cook. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know why we would, you know, but... You know why the San Antonio Zoo <clears throat> falls short? Why? No apes. They're getting gorillas. Are they? Yes. That's fucking awesome. Bet you every day that I go to see, the gorillas are just going to be fucking like... Just totally lith- <laughs> <Yeah>. lithium down. <laughs> <laughs> when okay, so the Fort Worth Zoo has a primate house. Uh-huh. Fort Worth Zoo, way better than San Antonio Zoo. Yeah, because they have a primate house. Yeah. Okay, so when I was a kid, we went to the primate house, and the chimps were on one that day. So I watched this fucking chimp, and I swear to God, I'm not exaggerating this. He fucking takes a shit, uh-huh. and then he turns around, sure, and he drills a little fucking little hole into it like a toad hole with his finger and then he pisses in that wow and then he drills his hole his finger into that and he fucking licks it and he looks at us why and I'm like that's so fucking insane you just owned us yeah yeah <laughs> it's like it's like pussy riot owning Putin yeah you know he got us dead to rights <laughs> the LA Zoo has an entire amphitheater in front of their chimp exhibit and it's fucking badass you can just sit and like bleachered tiered seating and just watch the chimps what cool. do they have like a um, it's cool do they have like a like a like a jumbotron or anything no you don't need it like it's, they're right there it's a small amphitheater yeah 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 I mean it's not like the the Hollywood Bowl or anything like that but like yeah and periodically they have somebody come out who works at the uh, at the zoo and like this is Toby. You know, mm-hmm. Toby's feeling a little rambunctious today, and he's like <laughs> masturbating furiously. <laughs> you know? uh, if you go to the San Antonio Zoo at like um, right when they open, if you ever decided to do that, I used to have to do that kind of thing because like Einie would wake up and she wouldn't go back to bed, mm-hmm. um, and she couldn't be left alone because she was like a toddler. Of I took her to the zoo at like uh, right when they opened, and the lemurs were going fucking crazy, dude. Like, like. Zipping around like the fucking Windows icon on an old... Like, I mean, I'm talking about going from corner to corner of their shit and howling and fucking making siren noises and shit. Yeah. It was enough to for an entire visit to the zoo to just stop in front of the lemur. Fucking. You don't even need to get into the zoo with your tickets to see the lemurs, by the way. Right? That's like... No, no. No, you can, you can go see the flamingos. That's it. 
about the. I'm pretty the, sure the lemur. Ex- I've been there a bunch of times. The lemur exhibit is like before you get to the ticket booth. I mean, I. If I, you ever want to go, let's go. You're wrong. Let's go. We'll get there, Pop. That's uh. This is where we get to Old Jumper. Old Jumper plays a weird role in this movie, I think, where he or she kind of bookends a, a couple things. And from the presence of Old Jumper, you're able to sort of like gauge the development of specifically Arliss as a character. But also, like, you know, okay, so you see Old Jumper in the cornfield. And get out of the corn. Get out of the corn. What are you doing eating the corn? We need that. Get out of the corn. We will literally die if we don't have that corn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Old Jumper's like, ah. And he's like, hey. <laughs> that is, I, I believe, that's a very good Old Jumper impression. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm getting out of here. Uh, and, you know, they, they do the, the thing to get the Old Jumper out of the corn. Later, at the very end of the movie, like one of the last shots of the movie, you see Old Jumper in the corn again, and Arliss literally fucking punches Old Jumper in the fucking yeah. face. It's it's like uh, he uh, corks him in the jaw. Uh, blazing saddles, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. He literally just like cork cocks it and pulls it and just fucking knocks his horse <laughs> in the jaw. And it's yeah. like you've seen that he's tussled uh, with some adversity now, and he's grown as a human being. He's still a piece of shit, but like, as is as is made evident by him just striking a horse, and <laughs> who just a wants mule, a mule. Who just wants deep corn? He just wants some corn. We get some uh, some engines, buddy. Yes, yeah. So this is the start of the. I believe that I believe the correct term is engines. I don't know what they want to be called. To be honest, I've talked to some that like to be called American Indians. Mm-hmm. I uh, there are some that like to be referred to as First People, uh, First Nation. I do understand that I don't understand. You know, I get that. Uh, it's not my place. Hey, teach me, engine. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And it's weird having a kid, right? Having a young kid. I've got a four-year-old son. And it's like, well, this is a Native American. Nope, that's wrong. American Indian. That feels wrong to me. I don't know. They're indigenous. No, that can't be... I imagine that I try not to identify a person (laughs) before they identify themselves as whatever they want to be identified as. That's a good point. You know, that's probably a good way to not step in that (laughs) doo-doo. So, yeah, we have our first run-in with the euphemistic first people. Let's just call them Apaches. They're Apaches, right? Can we do that? Yeah, we can call them Apaches. That feels right to me. So the Apaches make their first appearance here. Walk me through it. What Although happens? there is one Comanche, for some reason. I don't think that really explained that very well. I don't really remember that part. There's one guy that differentiates yeah, himself yeah, yeah. from the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. He's got like, he's got like, a, it's like the Apaches are like godless heathens. Right. And he's got like some code of honor. Uh, remember he like keeps him from slitting Tommy Kirk's throat? Right, 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 right. Okay, yeah, so... So, anyways, uh, I don't know, they come out of the fucking Bobcat Cave and there's a bunch of goddamn engines out there. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. Um, And one of them's wearing a Paisley shirt. (laughs) And from... However, like, I thought this was ridiculous. And then I remembered, from what I understand, these fuckers, when they would, like, 
burn through a town or something, they would get the most, like, ostentatious things and then throw them onto their hellscape of, like, war garb. You know, so it would be like somebody would be wearing a fucking lady's bonnet or something. Oh, I see. While they're scalping the fuck out of everybody. That makes sense. It's like a trophy. Or now something. I'm 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 getting way more like Cormac McCarthy <laughs> with this <laughs> shit than uh, Have you ever read Blood Meridian? No. You gotta read that fucking book. Yeah. It's it's it is the most shall I say savage book I've ever read. <laughs> um. But uh, Elizabeth and Travis First of all, it's get not, taken down pretty quick. It's not Elizabeth. It's, it's Lizbeth. Is it Lizbeth? I think so. It's Lizbeth, yeah. Arliss could be the guy that does the John McClane thing. Right. But he doesn't do the John McClane thing. He does the Arliss thing, which is running in and stirring up more of a fucking hornet's nest than anybody else did. <laughs> And pissing off everyone. Oh, yeah. And then Savage Tim proceeds to do the same fucking thing. This dog is not anywhere near as valuable as old Yeller's all no, I'm saying. No, no, no. He's a real liability. <laughs> <laughs> he almost sinks this ship so many times. <laughs> Granted, he does save the day in the end, but goddamn. He he's, he's a loose cannon. Yeah, he is a loose cannon. Um, Uncle Beck. Oh, okay. Uh, they These guys... They really have it in for their um, their young warrior that has this rivalry with Arliss. Right. And they just keep laughing as he keeps getting trolled by Arliss. Right. right. This continues throughout the course of the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Is he the one wearing the Confederate cap? Or the no, cap? no, that's the guy with the Paisley shirt. Right, right. Which he took off of somebody that he killed. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was traveling in a time machine from 1970. <laughs> right. Even though the movie was made in 1963. Yeah. But I, uh, I he was on an episode of uh, New Heart. <laughs> I guess New Heart was more 80s. I don't know. Not um, the first New Heart reference I've heard today. <laughs> really? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Bobcat gets away. Yeah. Um,. So, for the listener that is not following along with the movie, because as it turns out, spoiler alert, uh, you can't watch this on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's not on there. That's fucked up, right? What did you watch it on? I have a third-party site called themovieocean.com. Okay, well, I paid $4. You fool. To watch it on Amazon, because um, I pissed money out my dick, apparently. Yeah, pretty much. What do you think the bobcat represents in this movie? Is it a motif? I mean, because like, it comes up a few times. Just Savage Sam being a fucking rascal. A savage. <laughs> he, he ain't gonna he ain't gonna he ain't he ain't gonna leave until he secures that bag. He wants that's the bag. That's the bag that he's trying to secure. The aforementioned bag. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept waiting for something to really happen with that bobcat. Bobcats can fuck something up. I think if he wanted to, that bobcat would have just destroyed that dog. Honestly. <clears throat> it depends on who got the fucking good hit in. It's like fucking Bushido Blade. Right. You get that, you gotta get in there. If the dog grabs a hold of you and fucking closes down on your neck, right. you're fucking dead. If that fucking bobcat 
fucks you up with its claws. Maybe I. The bobcat can do enough damage to where the dog gonna run the fuck away. Yeah, that's. I mean, the dog. The dog has a better chance of living. Yeah. Um, but the bobcat has a better chance of actually using its fucking lethal implements See, that's to scare thought. the fucking dog away. But the on the street. On but the, Savage Sam is nothing if not tenacious, and yeah. dare I say, savage. One might even posit. I will say that Savage Sam and the Bobcats on-screen chemistry is electrifying. It's like Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. I just feel like we had so much more um, at our disposal with with Old Yeller as far as... Right. We we knew the name of the goddamn animal, Handler. Right. Rex Weatherman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That guy's a fucking pro. Yeah. Man. He's also... Um, out to take down the beer baron, right? <laughs> Rex Weatherman. Yeah. We don't know anything about. It. We don't. Uh, oh, this dog had like a first and last name. What? It was like Peter O'Toole or something <laughs> like. It like the dog had like a, a fucking. Uh, <laughs> it had a name. I love that. Arthur Barrymore. <laughs> it was much closer to what I just said. That's fantastic. So, anyways, everybody gets fucking captured by goddamn engines. Yes. And, and this is where the movie really takes off. This is <laughs> yes. where the plot of the it, movie it's actually where it starts. Takes away from me, uh, or, or uh, uh, escapes me at this point because really? it turns into a goddamn western. Right. Right. Like an episode of Bonanza or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But this is where I sort of get more invested. And I can't really explain it, but I think I love Brian Keith. I love Brian Keith. And he's just like, fucking let's go. And Slim Pickens is in this, dude. Okay, so tell me about Slim Pickens Slim and what Pickens. you know about Slim Pickens. Because I, I, I saw um, Doctor Strange Love when I was real, real, right. real high so. in high school um, in the Theater Arts 4 class um, by fan favorite... Um, of Plus and Custom History, Mr. Schumacher, who had theater arts for class, and I would go to that after lunch, after I would get real high and watch classic movies I when that. I was high school high. That sounds great. It was incredible. That sounds really good. So I watched so, Doctor Strange Love. Tell me about it some more. So Slim Pickens uh, in the 50s and 60s was basically just like a tried and true, set your watch by him character cowboy actor. And you can tell he plays this character all the time, just kind of loud mouth, buck tooth. What are you fucking talking about? There's no way that you know. And just like right, we were watching it earlier together. I said he was a poor man's Don Knotts. Exactly, but like more dramatic, you Mm -hmm. know. But he's also sort of the comedic foil, uh, but only because he kind of talks funny. Mm -hmm. So he's basically this is a character cowboy actor, and he gets cast in Doctor Strangelove, and Stanley Kubrick does like three versions of this movie and he's like notorious for overshooting and just putting his actors through the fucking ringer and he's doing every scene a hundred times until he just breaks them down to their most like primal level and you can see it in The Shining that's why he got the performance instead of uh, oh, oh Duvall, god got. damn yeah he just that like, sounds... tortured this poor yeah man. it's hard to respect a man after you hear yeah, that kind of shit exactly. about him yeah. it's just fucking torture but 
with Dr. Strangelove, they were doing it real straight. They were doing it like a drama. And that's what the actors signed up to do. They thought they were doing a fucking drama. And um, on paper, I'm sure it reads that way. And then you watch the movie and it's fucking hilarious. So to get the performances out of him, he, they did multiple, multiple, multiple shoots as a straight drama. And then Kubrick was like, now do one totally cartoony. Just totally ridiculous, over-the-top, totally ridiculous cartoony. Hyperbolic, cartoonish, like Bugs Bunny, you know. And they did something like that, probably way and too that, many. That, that, that reminds me of and like the, the Peter Sellers did. role in, in Lolita. I don't remember that. He's he's quilty. He's the guy that that ends up coming in and swooping in and taking Lolita right, right, from him. Right. But Peter Sellers is 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 one is of the, the Pink f- Panther. One of the funniest actors. One of, of the funniest time. actors of all time. If and not it, the funniest, honestly. He's it, it, perfect. Yeah. Um, but he steals the entire movie, and that's what I I think takes away from like the Nabokov. Right. Um, so like that's how they re edited the entire movie of Dr. Strangelove to be a comedy with, with every actor. Kubrick was like, all right, now we are, we're done with the, that's that. Now just for the sake of it, let's just do one. It's like real they naked gunned it. Exactly. Yeah. Let's play this totally ridiculous, but very earnest and serious at the same time. I need to go back and watch that again. It's I need so, to get really, really fucking high. And, and watch Peter that Sellers is it. And he's so fucking good. It's so funny. Um, but anyway, we digress. Uh, Slim Pickens plays that role so well in this movie where he's just like, what are you talking about? Come on now. You know, that kind of thing. He's the foil to uh, Bud Searcy, basically. Well, so, so I mean, give me, give me, give me what, what's going on at this point because um, we've got, we've got uh, the uncle uh, played by Brian, Brian Keith, Keith um, rounding up a posse because Lizbeth and Arliss. And they are going to go and, and, and stop Travis. the steal. Yeah, stop the steal. Yeah, they try to stop the steal. So the three kids have been taken away by these bloodthirsty, godless Apaches and mm-hmm. one Comanche. And they're making their way across the Santa Clarita countryside. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, with the snow-capped peaks of, <laughs> of Texas, distance. yeah. Mount Baldy off in the distance. Uh, real quick, sorry, little little pause. Hello? Uh, you're on an episode of Disney Plus and Custom. How can I help you? Oh, while he's being kidnapped, Arliss bites the ear of one of the Apaches. Yeah, that was so great. So I, I kind of I didn't pay attention to that. Chomped and bite the ear. Didn't like work, but Holyfield chomped him. Literally Tyson him. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Um because this kid's like a fucking gamer. Like this kid's fucking ready to go all the time. He's at eleven. You know, he's been practicing on his brother. Um and now we get to see that turned outward. We get to see that violence redirected towards these people who are actually trying to literally kill him. And so at this point in the movie, Travis and Arliss and Lizbeth have been kidnapped. Um, and the posse's been formed to go track them down. And this is when it kind of kicks up into high gear. And we I got think, a couple of we got a couple of players in this posse. 
Um, we've got somebody that just showed up from Virginia. Yeah. We've got a very angry man. Who I, for the longest time, thought played the pastor in Blazing Saddles. You might be right. I looked it up. It's not. It's not. Okay. Yeah. But he looked him up. I also thought that Billy Madison's dad uh, in Billy Madison mm-hmm. was also um, Chevy Chase's dad in Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I just had a pint of fluid taken out of my back. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> that that's that's uh, Beverly Angela's dad. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a lot of help from Jack Daniels. Yeah, yeah. You just cocked it up. And I'd never, I never, when I was a kid and I used to watch that movie, I didn't know what... Jack Daniels was, yeah. and so every time, every time, every time I hear Jack Daniels, think of Jack Daniels, think of that guy. I had a lot of help from my friends Jack Daniels. Like going through a marital separation at Christmas time led me to have like three lines from Christmas Vacation playing over and over in my head. Was one was, well, I don't know what to tell you, honey, except that it's the holidays and we're all in misery. <laughs> Another one was. Um, Worse? How could it get any worse? Ellen, look around you. We're at the threshold of hell. <laughs> and um, Chevy Chase saying, what? We need a coffin. I mean a tree. So I went out and got a tree. <laughs> uh, I have to ask you this right now. Do you want me to edit that out? She's not going to listen to this. It doesn't matter. Okay, because that's really good stuff. Yeah, leave it. Okay. okay. I'm an open book. I wish you would listen to this. It's good stuff. Yeah, dude. Okay, so this is the point in my notes where I mention the fact that they're kind of dancing around what's actually probably realistically, historically happening to these poor people while they're in the possession of these Apaches. And I'm happy that they... <laughs> okay. Well, 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 I, we're we're, we're going to... I have one thing before we get to that because I have a sound bite I want to play. Oh, okay. We get a lot of we get a lot of we got a lot of guys riding on horses. Get sure. a lot of horse riding and I feel like there's a disconnect for me. And I don't know, you're from Kentucky, but maybe there's a disconnect for you. I can't speak for you. But I feel like there's something about watching people on TV riding horses that gets anyone any male from that was born before the year 1960 rock hard (laughs) i know that my dad watches a lot of westerns like my grandfather and my own father my 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 dad my dad ended up liking watching fucking schwarzenegger and stallone like rip throats more than he liked watching horses my dad liked my bonanza my fucking grandfather like watching men riding horses and shooting fucking engines. The way God people. intended. Yeah. Um. But now we enter into um, a state of captivity. Yes. And um, <clears throat> we start talking as captives, right. uh, Travis, Arliss, and Lisbeth. About what the hell is going to go on with us um, when they decide to do whatever they do with us. Now, 
we already had Bud Searcy, father of Lisbeth, saying, I think I'm going to turn off notifications from KSAT 12, because nothing good happens in this fucking city. Does they ever... Is there ever, like, an emergency good news notice? No. It's always bad news. I just need to see our mayor just, like, do fucking curls every day. And, you know, I'll feel good about that. No. That's the reason I can figure for them not killing me right off. Well, I ain't gonna be no slave and I'll swear to that. No. Being a young and they'll probably make you an Indian. I'd like to see him try. i just like to see him. You just simmer down. Ain't gonna make no engine out of me. Travis? Yes? What do you reckon they figured to do with me? I ain't really give that proper thought. They'll make me some Indian squaw, won't they? Elizabeth. That one. <laughs> He's as much as claimed me, hasn't he? Say, maybe that's the way to do it. Do what? Get away. Let's get some other engine and that one into a fight over who gets Elizabeth for a squaw. <laughs> and in the fuss, you and me could make a run for it. Arliss. Then we can hightail it out of here and bring back help. Maybe she won't be married yet. Oh, Travis. Arliss, hush up. Well, if they're gonna... Maybe she won't be married yet. Maybe she won't be... You can almost hear the air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'd also like to add this real quick. I, I'm impressed that they didn't just um, paint a bunch of Italian people brown for the Indians. I kind of bought that some of those people might have actually been American Indians. Wait, what, what, what research have you done? Literally none. Okay, cool, because they're just white people. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Um. The guy, the the guy that is the head of the Apache tribe, which they call Broken Nose. Broken Nose. Yeah. Broken Nose. Um, <clears throat> he is the um, he's the the bad guy Indian in um, Davy Crockett. Okay. Red Stick is his name. Okay. He ends up. Uh, they have a little discourse where they, you me, <laughs> not fight. Oh. Uh, and then um. The the Comanche mm -hmm. is he plays a guy named Steve Gordon on something else on something called Steve Gordon. Oh no, he's white as fuck, and oh, no. um, he uh, uh, he's also on like Forbidden Planet. Okay, uh, he's well, a fucking white guy. Well, then I guess a tip of the cap to the makeup artists of 1963. Yeah, they. I, <laughs> They, they really brown him up. They did, yeah. I just figured they were all Italian, I guess. But good for them. I like that. Yeah, Italian's not notoriously, like, swarthy and brown. Hardly, but more olive-complected, I guess. Sicilians, maybe. I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, where are we now? Okay. I wrote, take a shot every time somebody says, get... <laughs> Too late for that, buddy. I know, but we will end fun. up in the hospital. It would have been fun. Um, but we do. Oh, we get the first meal. We have to talk about the old jumper scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the Comanche, the one with the compassion. We should call him the Comanche. Compassiony. He um, walks over and grunts as he doles out some sticks with some meat on them. Meat sticks, yeah. Meat sticks. That's one thing to call him. Um, Lizbeth says, hey, this meat tastes funny. Uh, Tommy Kirk, a.k.a. Travis, says, hey, it's probably horse. And then Kevin Corcoran. What's he saying? I don't see old Jumper in the herd over there. I thought I saw him get away, but I don't see him over We're there. We're eating our mule, this old Jumper. This is old Jumper. Mm-hmm. They murdered and slaughtered and cooked, cleaned and hided and cooked old Jumper. Now he's, they're serving our mule to us. Mm-hmm. And two of them don't really seem that bothered by it. They keep eating. He's like, oh, no. I'll go, go, go. Yeah. The absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence. Sure. Right? So they're saying, well, we don't know that that's old Jumper. It's like, well, I don't see him. It's like, well, you didn't see him get butchered either. Right. And he's like, well, I didn't see him not get butchered. <clears throat> and then at the end of the thing, the, the, Arliss starts reminiscing about all the good times that he had. I love this scene. He's already made his peace with He's the, made his peace with it. He's eating while he's I'm talking about he's, this. Like, yeah, and, 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 well, and well, what they told him. He was a good mule. And they're going, look, if it's old Jumper, he wouldn't mind. Yeah, no, he would want you to eat him. It's fine. They don't think it's old Jumper. And then as he goes on to talk about old Jumper, now they're the ones that can't finish eating it. Right. Because they're starting to think it might be old Jumper while he is firmly convinced it's old Jumper and he's totally okay with eating it. He chucks his stick, right? Great fucking scene. Yeah. Great fucking scene. Well acted by all parts. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. He really is. But but he does take umbrage with the entire thing and he goes, I know who fucking killed the jumper. It's that little motherfucker that took my goddamn hat. He takes a big old stick and he walks up and he knocks him the fuck out. He sure fucking does. And they all start laughing because they're a goddamn fraternity. <laughs> they take him on the side. They get some fucking... Yellow colored goop from Big I guess there I guess we're on the set of Hook, <laughs> <laughs> and they smear a fucking smiley face Literally. right under his nipple and yeah. start tweaking his nipple a little Tommy bit. Tommy Kirk says to Elizabeth, "They admire his spirit. They're making him an Indian. Yeah, like he's some kind of anthropologist. Yeah. Exactly like I predicted a few minutes ago. Yeah, before we ate our donkey. Yeah, that's exactly what he said was going to happen." Which only lends credence to his prophecy that she becomes a squaw. <laughs> uh, everybody falls asleep. They're all drunk on nothing because there's no booze. I don't know. Uh, you know engines are getting drunk. Right. They love that fire water. They love it. There's an escape attempt. And then I have a uh, three dots. To indicate that time passes. Time passes. Because I stopped taking notes for a while. Right, me too. Uh, so, uh, Tommy Kirk escapes. He escapes, right? Mm-hmm. He gets away. So, he is shirtless. That's what I remember. He's definitely shirtless. Right. 
But I don't know how he escaped. I was folding clothes. <laughs> uh, I had just worked a double, and I was drinking bourbon. Uh-huh. So I was in and out at this point. Speaking of, do you want, you want a little bit more? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Um, so, Tommy Kirk escapes. Oh, yeah, there's a part with the U.S. Cavalry. You remember that? No! The U.S. Cavalry shows up. You say Cavalry or Cavalry? I should be saying cavalry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cavalry is like where a... Jesus was uh, summarily executed. Well, isn't that, isn't that Golgotha? Place of the skull. Cavalry. I just know that from uh, Kevin Smith's Dogma, which is not a good movie. Golgotha and Calvary. Uh, I think Calvary was a place on Golgotha. By the way, did you know that they're starting pre-production... On a sequel to Passion of the Christ. <laughs> no, I didn't. And it focuses on the three days before the resurrection. And it's being written by the guy who wrote fucking Braveheart. I really want him to come out like fucking uh, Dr. Manhattan. He's not going to. No, it's not going to be that. Is there going to be a Jesus at all? Yeah. We saw his ass at the end. It's going to be very, very play. It's going to be played pretty straight. Uh, whatever that means. We don't have we don't have Mel Gibson helming this thing. He absolutely is. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I'm on board. Deeply violent. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, wait. Wh- who's the violence directed towards? I don't know yet. I just know he did Apocalypto and Braveheart and fucking Passion of the Christ, and it's well, gonna be very violent. <laughs> I know all that. Yeah. There's gonna be a lot of violence. Okay. I don't know how or in what capacity yet. Regardless, so, Tommy Kirk, shirtless for some reason, that I'm fine with. Where did he get all the, like, piranha bites on his back? Piranha bites? His back is pockmarked with wounds. I don't know. You you acknowledge that what I'm saying is true, though. I, I can't recall that part. Okay. I saw his nipples. All right. Well, why don't we fast forward? Tommy Kirk escaped. He has found a horse. The horse got away from him. He passes out in a fucking pond that yeah. is also in the desert. Yeah, yeah. Who right. does he? Who does he come across? But I guess you guys probably forgot about this character one more time. <laughs> Savage, Savage Sam. Sam. Oh yeah, because like he escaped from the Apaches. And uh, the U.S. Uh, soldiers have scared off the Apaches. And they're like, oh, they've got their sabers drawn. They're, like, charging after them. And then they take off. They're like, our job is done. And Tommy Kirk is like, wait, stop. You can still save me. Come back. And they don't hear him. And they get away and never see them again. I don't know what happened. That literally happens about at the midpoint of this movie. That's rough. That's yeah. rough. That's like some castaway bullshit. Exactly. But then, yeah, he passes down in the pond, and then who should appear but the the um, the, the the quote unquote main character of the film, Savage, Savage Sam, Sam, saves the day. So yay, you know. So um, the posse is tracking the Apaches, and then Tommy Kirk is like staggering off into like on foot. He's delirious with, with Savage with mm-hmm. Savage Sam. 
And he's like, I'll just run with you. Just follow the trail, boy. And he's like, I'll just fucking run with you. And it's like, that's not a good plan. They're not, literally you're not, like... You're not uh, conserving any kind of... They're 25 reserves. miles. Yes. They got a, like, seven-hour head start or something. Like, ridiculous. Like, you're not going to be able to do that. But, evidently, he loves this big four-headed woman so much that he must do it. And I respect that. I do, too. I do, too. You would. Yeah. I wouldn't. I'd be like, well... I tried. And then I passed out in a pond, and now I'm going to go home. <laughs> Perfect my bacon technique. <laughs> Just going to um, sit there and watch it. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Bourdain said bacon turns from raw to cooked to shit real quick. He's not wrong. Yeah, it's a very slim margin for error. He's right. So... Tommy Kirk is heading off, like, at a dead sprint, trying to keep up with a fucking dog who's on the trail of these dog Apaches. fast. My dog's not even in that great of shape. He's way faster than me. You could not, for literally hours, run behind a dog. My dog cannot run for that long, though. No. But Savage apparently Sam. Savage Sam can. He's indefatigable. Indefagitable. Indefagitable is the word I'm looking for. Uh, which is underutilized in our vernacular today. Hey, Siri, what does indefatigable mean? Indefatigable means of a person or their efforts persisting tirelessly. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right. If that's not Savage Sam, then I don't know what is. All right, take us through what you remember from that point on, real quick. <clears throat> I wrote on this page, we're going to storm that capital and stop the steal. Uh, we get a dog fighting wolves. A pack of wolves. Um, Savage Sam regroups with everybody else. Tommy Kirk. I, I do believe Tommy Kirk did attack one of the white men. They were about to kill him. And then they realized that it is Travis Coates. A.K.A. Tommy Kirk. Um, so, again, everybody's um, reincorporated in the same posse with uh, with Brian Keith, A.K.A. Beck Coates, helming the entire endeavor. Oh, yeah. The posse has some infighting. Right. right and wrong. I'm not trying to tell you anything, Pack. Then don't argue with me about Indian killing. I wasn't arguing. I merely said the reason the Indians fight so hard is a white man's crowding in, killing off the buffalo, that's all. Them Indians don't own the land. They don't own the buffalo either. Maybe not. But after thousands of years, they feel as though they have a right to it. They're going to learn different. And I learn them. Sometimes hard to tell who the savages are. Dirty engine lover! <laughs> Dirty engine lover! Alright. So I love that there's one piece of wokeness. There's literally like two lines of dialogue in this entire movie that afford the possibility that maybe the Native Americans aren't that bad. Maybe, maybe they've been done dirty by the white man. 
and, you know, just like shift our perspective just a little bit. Who's the real bad guy here? Mm-hmm. And this guy says two lines and is literally physically attacked immediately. Mm-hmm. And then it's never brought up again. Well, no, I do feel like it's brought up again, though. How so? Because um, they get this bitter, violent old man off of him. Mm-hmm. Brian Keith comes and breaks it up. And then he says, um, you just moved here, buddy. I know you didn't mean no harm. This land can make you hate. It can make you hate the land. It can make you hate the world. Right. This is a good fucking yeah, this is part the, of the movie. This is the Fest Parker that we've been waiting for. You spend your entire fucking um, whatever season it is raising this corn, and then it gets end up getting hauled off by whatever forces of nature it is. You raise this cattle from calf to selling point and then they all die off in a plague or if you're this fucking guy you come home and your cabin's burned down and your wife and your kids have all been scalped and i i figured it was probably going there yeah but this is you know, it's 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 tit for tat. Sure. Once the white man gets included and injected into this shit, right. so you know you have these reactionary forces. It's like fucking. It's just back and forth awfulness. I just and, love that um, there was this one moment of wokeness where it's like, well, maybe they're not just destroying us for no reason. But I think that I think that is the more realized multi-dimensional thing to say well there's a reason why this guy's fucking acting this way yeah and i i I liked that i liked that i liked that there's the wokeness but i also like that there's the guy that's like completely fucking um tempered by fire at this point Mm -hmm. and unhinged and probably has no business being in this fucking party right and i feel like the rest of the party recognizes that before the end of this is done he's the one who fucks it up at the end yeah yeah you dirty engine lover um we're dealing with snakes and spiders i don't know if the general public knew at this point that tarantulas are non-poisonous and generally not to be feared. Right. But I'm still going to be scared of shit of a tarantula if it starts crawling on me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. The bigger point to be made here is that, like, the posse at this point is being... They're pursuing the Apaches, and they're being pursued by a rainstorm. Mm-hmm. And, and the rainstorm is the end of their pursuit as far as most of them perceive The dog it. cannot track the trail mm-hmm. if it rains. I don't think he's been injured at this point. Unless he's a real fucking savage. <laughs> Which I think we can all agree he is. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's been injured at this point. No, no, he's injured at this point. The wolves got him. The wolves bit his He paw. fought a whole pack of wolves. Right. And they yeah. put him that's a great scene, I think, where they like put the dog down uh, on the on the ground. They put him down on the ground. And Tommy Kirk's like, no, he can do it. He can do it. He can still track the Apaches. Let's just see. Let's just see. And Brian King's like, he can't do it, man. He can't fucking do it, man. And Tommy Kirk's like, no, we just have to try. Just let him try. And did you notice, though, like, the 
kind of reprisal of that like secondary arc in Old Yeller where it's Arliss's dog and then it becomes oh, Travis's dog. That's a good point. That's a good observation. And Savage Sam, it's 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 always like more Arliss's dog than right. than Travis's. Travis, like I don't think Travis will ever marry again, as far as dogs go. No, but like Travis does have the inherent capacity to like be one with a dog right. that he's like been resisting. But like at this point, his his fucking woman and his brother are on the line. Yeah, man. He's like, this dog is my only hope of mm-hmm. getting, literally, of ever getting laid. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, he's fine. Three legs is good. He's fine. <laughs> Put him down on the ground. So, anyway, uh, the dog can't well, carry, walk. Carry us for a minute. Carry us for a the minute. The dog right? can't walk. The dog cannot the walk. The dog can totally walk. He's not okay, man. He's been he's been savage sammed by a pack of wolves, and he's only got three legs. And ordinarily, I think that would be fine, but he's got to lead this posse through, you know, ostensibly what is Texas, but is what is actually Santa Clarita, California. So the dog just can't do it, man. He's limping. He's hobbled. He can't possibly keep up with these horses. So, they think all hope is lost. But what does Brian Keith do? He picks up the dog on his lap, on the horse, and he says, let's just go. Let's just do this thing. We can do this. We will take the dog on, the, on horseback, and he will find the trail whenever he can, and we'll just follow the trail. So off they go. And it's really cool because, like, they're in a cave at one point waiting for the storm to pass. And honestly, the, the, the storm effects are really cool. Uh, they do a really good job. It looks like the Ten Commandments. It's like a Cecil B. DeMille moment where there's, like, a tornado brewing. And it's just, like, really dark clouds that are about to, like, derail their entire posse. And they're just trying to... One of the characters is like, there's going to be a ten-foot wall of water coming through if there's a fa- flash flood. And this, we're going to die. We're going to fucking die. And so they weather that storm. The dog How is, do they weather it? Uh, it just doesn't turn out as bad as they thought it was going to be. We're, we're, how do they get out of it? Um, so, okay, so... They find a cave? There's, they find a cave. Yeah. But, but so, before that, there's like a solid like minute and a half or two minutes where they're riding through the storm. It's all windy and crazy, but there's clearly not a cloud in the sky behind them. Which I thought kind of took me out of it a little bit. And then Bruno walks in with a mischievous grin. Thunder, you telling the story, or am I... I'm sorry, maybe I go on. At this point... Jack and Daxter watching. <laughs> God damn it, this way. At this point, the dog is in Brian Keith's lap on the back of a horse. Hold on, um, I just want to talk about the cave for a minute. Because um, you do have this point where Brian Keith is uh, standing in front of the cave trying to open up the door and he says um, ah I finally get it speak friend and enter oh um, that's good we can rewind real, 
real quick, I can also say, um, as they're entering the cave, they see the uh, the stone giants throwing the uh, the giant boulders that are making the thunder. Right, right, right. And also rewind a little bit, and I can say, uh, it gets real fucked up when they get in the cave, and Brian Keith has to fight the uh, Balrog. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> that totally happens. The angels are bowling mm-hmm. in heaven, which is when like, roll, roll of thunder, hear my cry. Regardless, as they say in uh, the- Savage Sam gets pulled into the pool in front of the door by the Watcher in the Waters. You know, Lord of the Rings guy? Yeah. Okay. The dog is like, you shall not pass, you know, mm-hmm. like fucking fly, you fools, you know, all that shit. I love that line. Fly, you fools. Ride, Shadow Facts. Show me the meaning of haste. So now, Kevin. Now, now it's getting fucking real. Kevin, I'm I'm in a I'm in a world without notes at this point. That's the last thing I wrote down. Alright, same. So, here we go. Here we go, Biggie. At this point, this is when like the whole movie is building up to this climax. And Savage Sam has led the posse to Limping. Limping clinging to life. At this point, we haven't seen anybody go to the bathroom. We haven't seen anybody eat anything. There's a great moment where... Are we to assume that they didn't do so? Yeah. There's a great moment where Bud Searcy asks uh, Slim Pickens for a hunk of chaw. He's like, I could use some chaw myself. And Slim Pickens is like, fuck you, man. Oh, in that... Oh, this was one of my favorite moments of the whole movie. Fucking Slim Pickens, a.k.a. Whitey Krupp. What's his name? I have no idea. Anyways, he decides to be a total dickhead, and he's like, no, we're not We're not going to fucking go track this. Maybe he's being pragmatic. Pragmatic, rather. And saying, I'm not going to go fucking follow some three-legged dog right. to go track some kids that aren't mine to probably after be- it fucking rained. And I'm probably going to be murdered by Indians if I find them. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. But at this point, we've got a fucking blood pack, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like, we're too far in. Mm-hmm. And so if you start talking shit like that, it's like, I'm going to point a fucking rifle at your goddamn belly. Yeah. And we get Bud Cersei. Bud Cersei, much more lovable in this movie. But, like, Brian Keith... Brian Keith's my fucking flint, dude. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, if you're gonna go, then you can go. But, uh, it's gonna suck for you on foot. And he's like, oh, I can leave whenever the fuck I want to leave with my horse. And then Bud Cersei's like, here's a fucking double barrel. I'm gonna blow your goddamn spine out your back. You guys in the back <laughs> might want to watch out because it's gonna get Gallagher up in here. <laughs> <laughs> and then I really love the way that it wraps up at the end because everybody's like, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And Brian Keith is so fucking too cool for school. He's like, no, you're not going to take his fucking weapons off of him. He's going to need him to fight engines because he's not going fucking anywhere. And that's what he doesn't say. Mm-hmm. That's what he doesn't say. For and sure. then Bud Cersei's like, give me that fucking jaw. He's like, here's your fucking jaw. Yeah. It's like, you're a fucking little 
bitch. Yeah. Bitch. Give me that chalk. Yeah. That was cool. That was a cool fucking yeah. scene. That was wills pushing against each other. Yeah. And it's like, it's one of those scenes. There's like a few scenes in this movie that are very good in that regard. But the movie's like 15 minutes too long. <laughs> you know? So like, we could have probably done without that in the grand scheme of things. There's like a few moments in this movie where it's like, that was really cool. But if it didn't happen, that's cool too. I don't know. I think that most of that is like, is is like the horses galloping. Yeah, there's a lot of that. So, here we go. that's like what my granddad's like jerking off to in heaven. (laughs) God bless him. So here we go. Tim, are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready for the final stretch. Are you fucking ready for this? I'm ready. I question. Baby. Honestly, I question your ready for readiness for this. I, I mean, I thought I was ready. I don't know. You need to know. You need to know if you're ready for this or not. Do you want to know? Do you want? Do you want to hear something that you're not ready for? Okay. Okay. The guy that wrote this, his name is Fred Gibson. Yeah. He wrote Old Yeller, and he wrote Savage Sam. Mm -hmm. Walt Disney bought the rights to Savage Sam in 1961, just like he bought the rights to um, Old Yeller in 1957, right after it was was released. So, uh, bought it for 25 grand. And then they signed the guy on for uh, screenwriter. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he was a raging alcoholic, as I told you, as we were coming up the stairs, um, and had violent bouts of belligerence. At one point, his son came home to the guy's house and found the family dog outside, chained up and beaten to death. Jesus. The son went home to university or went back to university after being at home to UCLA or something and killed himself. Jesus. Uh, and then one month after uh, production wrapped on Savage Sam, his wife left him <laughs> forever. Jesus. Fred Gibson. Fred Gibson, the creator of this entire franchise. Yeah. As it were. Good lord. That's. I feel like the son had a couple other underlying issues. No, man. You you come. You find your your family dog chained up. Your father's incoherent and raging. You find the dog chained up and beaten to death. Yeah, you can get over something like that. I don't know if you can in nineteen sixty three. You don't have Reddit to go to to drown it all out, buddy. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's tragic. It's very tragic, absolutely. But things probably weren't going great in the first place. No, no. I didn't make that up, Kevin. It exists. I know that. He he was probably in love with a black lady. <laughs> anyway, here we go. Are you ready for this? You ready for this? Yeah, insert me back into Savage Let's Sam. Let's fucking go, baby. Let's rescue these white kids. This is where it happens. <laughs> Brian Keith is the fucking George Patton of this operation. And there's no question about that. Nobody questions that. 
he his rule his his word is rule. So like, okay. Unless you're talking about fucking unhinged ass my kids got killed. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Wah wah wah. <laughs> you know? Jesus Christ. Take some fucking Yeah. Will Butrin like the rest of us. <laughs> There's a reason I don't have a rifle. Anyway, the whole posse is gathered in the bushes. And then they see... As they do. Right. They see Lisbeth and Arliss. And uh, Tommy Kirk is walking around with just like pants and suspenders and no shirt, which I'm kind of here for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Tom... Brian Keith. This part is kind of the one that I think lasts a little bit too long. I think they could really could. I mean, there's a couple of them. Yeah, they really could have like lopped this down like about 20 minutes if they had to. Uh, Even some good scenes didn't really need to be there. Brian Keith is like, there they are. There are the bloodless savages. We're all wearing cute bandanas around our necks. We're ready for this shit. This blood, (laughs) this bloodbath that's about to happen. (laughs) Somebody update your story. Mm -hmm. And show the cute bandanas. We're wearing cute bandanas. And tag me, please. We are fucking ready for this. We don't want our chests to get sweaty while we're butchering all these fucking Mm -hmm. (laughs) redskins. Let's do this fucking thing. So, they come up with a game plan. It's like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay there. My nephew's going to rub up against my butt <laughs> on a live horse. Because there's always, there's always one more man than horse, right? Right, exactly. Like that, that's the whole yeah, yeah, yeah. thing of like yeah, jogging yeah. alongside the horse. Oh, yeah. That was a great part, too. Where the, like the posse is about to get to this point, And they see that the Apaches have this technique of riding along next to a horse. Running. Yeah, yeah, running. And they just hold on to the saddle, and when they can't run anymore, they kind of lift themselves up, and they can go a few more feet. And it's like, you only have to go like a, you know, like two-thirds as much. And I think that was pretty cool. That was kind of neat. Sounds like something that I would have a lot of trouble doing. Oh, I'd be killed immediately. Running alongside a galloping Palomino is kind of beyond the pale. That's not going to happen. I feel like that mountain has no business... Like, somebody fucked up. Let's establish that. Somebody fucked up. At a certain point in this movie, there is a giant snow-peaked mountain. <laughs> and this is supposed to take place in Texas. Yeah, right off the 35. There's a lot of there's a lot of familiar vegetation for those of us that live in, in the South Texas area. Like, there's, like, live oaks and shit. That that's egregiously like. Where the fuck are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out we're in Southern California the whole time, which is where we meet our posse, and they are gathering to come up with their game plan. And Brian Keith is like, "You guys go there. You go here. I'm gonna have my nephew dry hump me on the back of this live horse. That's fine. That's a whole separate thing. Let's do this thing." But wait, wait until I say go, okay? Because otherwise you're going to fuck this whole thing up and that poor girl is going to die, man. Just what like did a... you think was going to happen? I guess I kind of pictured more of a Reservoir Dogs kind of thing. 
No, no. I mean, what happened was what it basically. It's a Disney movie. It's I mean, telegraphed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's going to be fine. They're going to butcher all of these poor brown skinned people, and everything's going to be fine. It's going to be a happy ending. But I, there I are a couple. There was going to be a little bit more nuance to it than that. No, I was, thought we were going to because like it was a bloodbath. Eight years prior, we have the same white man acting as an Indian. Yeah. Having a discourse with Davy Crockett. There was no discourse. There was no fucking discourse. The guns. They kill everyone, even the guy who was like nice to them. They butcher everybody immediately as fast as they can. So here's the thing: they're lying in wait. They're ready for the signal. They're crouched behind uh, fucking chaparral and fucking you know whatever oak branches and stuff. They're about ready to call the signal to like collapse on these people and spring their trap. And the I feel guy like we need mood music, but we're not going to have it. The guy who lost his family to the godless savages can't take it anymore. He springs up from his hiding position and shoots a guy through the chest and kills him. And everyone's like, brr? What the fuck? At this point, there is no... Plan. There's no, no. method. It's just every vengeance. From, every man. It's for just vengeance. It's bloodlust. But that's not it for everybody, though. You know, and and that's how a posse works. You can't have a fucking um, an unhinged member of your machine. You're only as strong as your weakest link, for sure. And that guy fucked you up. Yeah, that guy fucked you up. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that guy. So he, he fires the first shot. Yeah. The, the uh, American Indians uh, respond in kind, and rightly so, um, and they start firing back. They're like, Brian Key's like, fucking let's go. Let's do this fucking thing. Yeah, it's time thing. to kill everyone. Let's fucking, there's the dead and they're dying. Let's fucking do this. The so, quick and the dead. The quick and the dead. Let's fucking do this. So everyone springs into action, including um, now-shirted um, Tommy Kirk. And everyone just, like, fucking rides in action. And I don't think they suffer any casualties. I think they basically eradicate the Apache yeah. war force. Yeah. They purify the land yeah. with whiteness. <laughs> yeah. Like, every everybody that displayed a little bit of nuance. Yeah. Between, like, the guy wearing the paisley. Yeah. Who was, like... Yeah. Um, the the Comanche with the wounded leg that gave him the food murder and the um Killed and the brothers. kid the kid that uh, that that Arliss had the rivalry rivalry right. with right. they're all just erratic <laughs> killed where they stood <laughs> killed where they stood immediately and I'm just like. Are, are, are we not going to have a discourse like we did Absolutely. with Davy Crockett? No words. No words are exchanged. Absolutely never. So they just charge in. They're like, and they just fucking destroy. I guess Savage Sam ends up savaging that last kid. He's like the last vestige. That's the thing too. Is like the dog is not a part of any of this. He's muzzled and tethered to a tree. So he's, like, not in this fight at all until the very last second. One of the coolest parts, I think, in the movie, just, like, from a pure action standpoint, is when um, Arliss 
sees that he's like hiding behind a bush and he sees that one of the uh, bloodless or godless savages is about to murder his uncle. And he's doing this badass thing, the uh, the Native American. It's like doing this badass thing where he's like riding, um, like hugging the side of the horse. And he's firing his rifle from under the neck of the horse at a full gallop. And it's really cool. And uh, like you know, his uncle should have been killed a hundred times over by this point. But Arliss was doing that? No, no, no. The uh, Native American. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, he sees, he, he, from behind the bush, he's like, Uncle Beck! And, uh, he sees that this guy's galloping towards him, the Native American. He's firing his rifle under the neck of the horse. He's galloping towards him. And Arliss runs out from behind the bush, grabs a dead Native American's musket by the <laughs> barrel, and waits until the last possible second, and just clubs this dude in the face. Yeah, it's, it's very, um... The one that did like George uh, Floyd. No, the one that did like Mother. Darren Aronofsky. Aronofskyan. Yeah, it's very Aronofskyan. Yeah. yeah. He just fucking clubs. He's like, Uncle Beck, I got him. He said George Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they're in Minneapolis. No, I'm sorry. Uh, what I really like about it is like after it's over, like there's no rejoicing. Like, and the the fucking guy that wants the blood. They get they get the family back. They get they get Lizbeth. They get Tommy Kirk back. And he says to him, he says, "Um, time to go." And the 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 guy's like, "I'm there's they're hiding out there." They're hiding out there. There's like three left we didn't murder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he says, well, you're welcome to stay and murder them. Uh, we have to do it on your own. You're going to have to do it on your own. So we skipped we over... Because we got what we came here for. We skipped over what is the absolute penultimate dramatic scene in the movie, which is when Elizabeth is being... Um, kidnapped by the last, basically the last surviving Apache. He's captured her. He's riding off with her on a separate horse. They're galloping over a hill crest. And like more and more distance is passing. Tommy Kirk is like beating uh, Native American off their horse. He's take, commandeered the horse. He's galloping at full blast after them. Her dad, Bud Searcy, Sees that oh yeah, that was cool. Somebody comes out of the woods. He's like, "Shoot him! Shoot him! Shoot him!" And, and then he lays his his rifle on Slim Pickens, Slim Pickens' shoulder. And I thought, I thought for a second it was going to be like some fucking fucked up Aronofsky shit, where he shoots As his own daughter. Shoots exactly. But it's 1963 Disney movies, so that's not possible. Nobody wants that. Right, no, no, no. But um, Slim Pickens has got the the muzzle of this 55, whatever that means, rifle, this fucking rifle cannon that Bud Cersei's lugging around with him on his shoulder. And he's got his his hands up in a fist with his thumbs aligned. To like, fucking hexagonal as fuck. It is. And he's balancing the end of this rifle on his hands. And he's like, shoot, shoot, shoot. And Bud Searcy's lining up this thing. And he's a fucking 
drunkard. You know, he's like he's a fucking loser. You know, I want I want to see I want to see magic come out of morons. You know? Yeah, exactly. I love that. So at the last possible second, when the Native American is about to ride over this fucking hill crest with Lisbeth, possibly forever to make him um, his squaw, air quotes, which means something. <laughs> Way different. Let your imagination run wild. Bud pulls the trigger. And this guy falls off his horse, off in the distance. And Elizabeth is free. I'd like to think that, you know, the general public absorbs it as like, well, these, they have their, they have their traditions. And uh, she's not going to be touched until they consecrate it. That is possible. That's possibly what they might have thought back then. I think I think the alternative is much worse than that, and I think that's what everybody assumed. It's but like here's the, one of my favorite Oh my god, just brutal. Here's one of my favorite things about this. Uh, in on IMDB, when you look up this movie, when you look up any movie on IMDb, there's a goof section. And it, there's like a, a, a quirky kind of like whoopsie doodle. You know, there, oh, there's a boom mic visible in this shot or something. Or it's like, oh, he actually calls this character by the wrong name. In this one, it's... <laughs> in this scene, when Bud Cersei lines up the shot with his 55 on Slim Pickens' shoulder, and he sh- pulls the trigger and shoots this Indian... The Indian falls off his horse immediately like he's been shot. But in reality, it would have taken a fraction of a second. I saw that. It's so and ridiculous. And I thought it was um, so really ridiculous. fucking stupid. It's so stupid. Who cares about Savage Sam? Physically. If that's where the we're entire world is going to care about Savage Sam after we release this episode. Right. But... The, actually, the bullet would have taken a couple fractions of a second to kill that bloodless savage. I, I thought that was such a stupid thing. It was very, very stupid. Regardless, that's the climax of the movie. And Elizabeth is saved. Tommy Kirk gets to her. She's like, oh, oh, oh Travis. I was completely out of sorts, Travis. I was out of sorts. My sleeve was slightly ripped. I'll let you imagine what that means. So, this The is, end of this movie This is, is the denouement. This is the <laughs> denouement of this movie after the, the genocide that's been perpetrated on our brothers and sisters of the First Nations. And Bud Cersei... I mean... Oh, here's the thing. Bud Cersei makes that shot from literally, like... A thousand yards, and immediately his eyes roll back in his head and he passes out. I feel like it's like 200 yards, maybe 100. Really? You can't make a shot from a thousand yards. The guy was like this big. Huh? Regardless, it was like improbable at best. Uh, But after he makes the shot and kills this dude who's kidnapping his daughter, he blacks out. And everyone thinks he's dead. To the point where, like, Arliss is like, oh, or someone says, like, I wonder what's wrong with him. And Arliss is like, well, he's probably dead. And he's like, no, shut up, Arliss. 
He's fine. They throw a bucket of fucking water in his face. He's like that, 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 that's that's uh, that's old boy. That's uh, Whitey Stubbs or whatever. Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens. Yeah, yeah, throws a hat full of water in this guy's face to rouse him. He's fine. He's fine. Uh, and this is like where the the point where Fess Parker should have showed up and told them all about what being a man is all about. They could not get him. They on couldn't this. afford. Yeah. yeah. Fess Parker's I don't know why. Writer on this one. Uh, or maybe he was already dead. Not know. enough brown M&M's. Um, <laughs> he was definitely not dead. He wasn't dead, but they couldn't get him. He was down in old San Antonio with Grammy. But you know what I you know what I think, Kevin? What? Brian Keith, in my opinion. Better than fucking Fest Parker. I think so, too. I fucking love Brian. Yeah, he's really cool. And he fucking killed it. So that's basically the end of the movie. They get back to the ranch. Um, there's a great moment riding back to the ranch where Elizabeth is riding on the same horse as Travis. And she's holding onto his belt. And he's like, yeah, you probably don't have to be holding onto my belt anymore. And she's like, well, as soon as I feel strong enough, I'll let go. And he's like, yeah, and he's like, as long as you don't reach for my genitals. Yeah, he's like, do you have a brother? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Bud Cersei's trying to like spread his like fucking gospel. He's like trying to recant the story of the impossible. But then shot he, he realizes but that that this little cunt, Arliss, Arliss is basically. It's a, basically him. A young version of him. And he keeps trying to tell the story of the shot. Yeah, and it's awful. And Arliss is like, shut shut the fuck up. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. Here's what I did. I literally clubbed a Native American in the face with the butt of a rifle. I destroyed his face. And then I did all these fucking things. <laughs> and that continues for, like, presumably the better part of, like, a few hours. And Bud Cersei can't take it. He can't take it. He cracks like an egg. Um, and they get back to their homestead, and Elizabeth and Travis presumably get it on. And I think that's about it. Oh, and then there's the reprise of Old Jumper. There's the reveal that Old Jumper's, Jumper's not book. dead. He, they you were not eating. They you were not eating, eating that they, mule. They didn't. I God knows what they were eating. Who knows what the fuck they were eating back there? But it wasn't Old Jumper. A butchered. It was probably just. It was it was just beef. It might have just <laughs> like, been a cow. They're just demonizing these fucking yeah. these people. It's awful. The they're one, like, oh, it tastes the weird. One no, person, it fucking doesn't. The one no, person in this bitch, movie that tried fucking... to defend Native Americans is literally instantly physically attacked. <laughs> <laughs> Without hesitation. You're like, oh, he allows for the possibility that Native Americans aren't the fucking demons we've made them out to be for the last hour and a half and he's physically attacked immediately we decided on the last episode of Plusin and Cussin that uh, we're not going to defend Burt Reynolds anymore I'm fine with that he's dead and uh, and it's probably for the better yeah I don't care about that it's fine (laughs) (laughs) so the fuck what do I, have any, do I have any, like, closing thoughts on this movie? I mean, my biggest takeaways from this movie are basically the sort of, like, paradigms of, like, 
good versus evil that were set up in like Walt Disney's America of the early 60s were just like white people good, dark people bad. And like this movie does nothing to dispel that. And uh, fucking Savage Sam doesn't really need to be in this movie at all. But I feel like Walt had... Walt's trajectory had a little bit more nuance to it than this movie even tried to convey. Yeah, it's... Like, even even eight years beforehand, yeah. there was, like, a little bit of, uh... I don't know. 70? The fact that they killed all the engines in the end is really fucked up to me. And uh, I feel like it, it just kind of defeats the whole goddamn movie. Right. Like, the last part but, is, like... The last part of that battle scene is um, Arliss basically loosing a Savage Sam onto the last remaining Native American. He's like... <laughs> yeah, it's just like, him fucking clean, kill him, man! Kill him! him! Clean out of Texas, Sam! Uh, and it's fucking stupid. It's just, like, it doesn't make any sense, and it's fine, you know, but whatever. I think this movie had some really good parts, and I feel like this movie had some really fucking good actors. And um, whoever was directing it and producing it just just shit the goddamn bed. <laughs> <laughs> and I thank you for joining me again. Thanks, to guys. finish this saga. Thank you, everybody. We did two and a half hours on a uh, movie that shouldn't have even been. Um, 90 minutes (laughs) it was an hour and 45 minute movie it shouldn't have been more than an hour and 20 Mm -hmm. there's some drawn out scenes that probably could have been clipped down but regardless I'll let you sign off Tim Mm. um oh so the new sign off for our show (laughs) (laughs) from Babes in Toiling And we won't be happy till we get it.